You are Locked On Ole Miss, your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to this live stream of the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. We've got a transfer portal commitment. Caden Priestcorn from Memphis has decided to direct his lot to the Ole Miss Rebels. Anyway, I'm Stephen Willis. Thank you for listening today, watching today. You can see down below my Twitter handle is at the Stephen Willis. Participate in the conversation by commenting down below or upvoting the video itself. We would appreciate it very much. Joey Freeman comes in with a hotty toddy because this is actually is a major, major commitment. We're going to talk about this in this live stream. We're going to probably talk about it on tomorrow's show. That's how major of a get this is. It's not, it might not be sexy to some people, but this is a major, major get for the Ole Miss Rebels. Caden Priestcorn committed to the Rebels. Anyway, hope everybody is having a fantastic Monday. We're getting ready for the national championship game tonight. Um, I'm going to record the show a little bit early um, for tomorrow so I can enjoy the game. So if anything breaks overnight and I'm a little bit late on it, I apologize for it, but I am going to enjoy the football game. This is the last college football game we get for about nine months. I'm going to enjoy it. But we're going to do stuff like this where we can. We're going to do live streams for new commitments. We're going to do um, little live streams about news breaking. We're trying to talk about what you guys are talking about. That that That's Directing the conversation is kind of an important part of us. We do perspectives and commentary on the show, and thank you for tuning in. Anyway, who exactly is Caleb Pre Caden Priestcorn? And he's from Fork Union Military Academy, and he played quarterback in high school. So he's kind of a Dawson Knox comparison. If you want a comparison of him, he's a Dawson Knox type player where Dawson Knox was a quarterback at Brentwood Academy, ended up being a good tight end at Ole Miss, ended up going to the Buffalo Bills, and is very productive. He he redshirted in 2019. In the free 2020 year, um, he, appeared, he was a member of the team. He appeared in four games of the season and had three catches for three yards in a victory over Houston. So 2020 really didn't count. That was like a free year. I mean, it was like, hey – you get this one for nothing. Go ahead. His redshirt sophomore year, he appeared in all 12 games. He had four catches for 46 yards on the season. Um, had two for 31 against Tulsa. So that was kind of his thing coming in. In 2022, he was a John Mackey Award semifinalist, which is for tight end. It, he obviously is getting on people's radar. But more specifically, he was a Burlesworth Trophy nominee. And for those that don't know what the Burlesworth Trophy is, I believe that is for the top walk-on and the story that goes along with him. So there's, there's a, another comparison to Dawson Knox for him. No, so he hasn't broken out at that point, coming into – um, this season. And now with him being that John Mackey award semifinals, he really busted on this scene. He was the second team, all American conference. That's the conference, not the, um, nation. Um, he was first team, all AAC from pro football focus. He was first team, all AAC from Phil Steele. Um, he was 3.0 GPO guy, pretty consistently. His grades are pretty good. He's all academic team 2019 and 2020, and he was on the Dean's list 
for a, the fall 2019 semester. Those with the John Mackey Award tells how he broke free. Really good player. Now, we tell you that to tell you this. This is what his statistics looked like in 2022. He ended up with 48 catches, 602 yards, and seven touchdowns. Now, they used the tight end a lot in that Memphis offense, but you were dealing with a true freshman quarterback and a system that was a little bit different. It it just is. It's not what we run entirely. And people, you can see how he would think that his development would improve at a place like Ole Miss because Ole Miss needs a tight end for the offense to go. We saw that donut-sized hole in the middle of the field that happened all year that caused linebackers and everybody just to tee off that affected our run game by the end of the year. You need to affect those linebackers by making them wonder if they need to go side to side, whether or not they need to watch behind them. All of that stuff is important for a tight end position. This kid is athletic enough to do that. And as a bonus, and this honestly, not not really a pick that necessarily concerns Michael Trigg, but this is somebody that Michael Trigg will have to work to get on the field. Not start, get on the field, because Priestcorn can be the guy moving forward if this team wants that to happen. He has that kind of ability. This is a big get. It's going to help the wide receivers. It's going to help the running back. It's going to help the offensive line. Now, this is a massive get because essentially this takes care of all the skill positions um, for Ole Miss. It just does. Wide receiver rooms taken care of, tight end rooms taken care of, um, and running back rooms taken care of. Now, the tight end room, you need to get Kyron Heath ready to go. You need to get um, Javante ready to go. Their development has to be sped up because the depth pieces have to – we can't be in a situation like last year again. Those guys have to be ready to play. Whether or not they're playing down on the second field – or the first field, um, that is important. Caden Priestcorn's height and weight, he's 6'5", 255 pounds, Joey. Joey Freeman asked his height and weight. He's 6'5", 255. He's a true traditional tight end. He's a big player. And from what I understand, he is not a traditional tight end, but he's an athletic type tight end. He's closer to Kenny Yaboa than Edvin Ingram if you're looking for recent history. He's a, he's a big kid. Trent Henson says, good get. Trigg has been a bust so so far, but the next thing is a backup quarterback. I haven't seen an article on Brady Allen staying put at Purdue. Yes, Brady Allen is staying in Purdue. Um, apparently, the package wasn't enough to get him to leave the Boilermakers. The Boilermakers are kind of putting together an interesting schematic thing anyway, but we'll see exactly how it goes. Jonathan Friedman says, Trig is a bust. Trig right now is a bust. But remember, and I don't think anybody needs to go too crazy about it, Matt Corral, at this same time period that he's having, was benched. Matt Corral started a fight. Mike Matt Corral looked like a bust midway through 2019. Then the rest is history. 
So give Trey a chance for, for that light to come on, but also get people to force him to have to really work and that light to come on. That That is a good thing because, honestly, the only thing that can help Michael Trigg right now is competition and fear that this is all going to go away. Honestly. So, he's a good player. And whenever he gets going, his athletic ability, he has a chance to be the top tight end in the Southeastern Conference. He has that kind of ability. But he also has the floor somewhere well, well below Casey Kelly. That's it is unbelievable the gap. Um, James York asked, "Do we have a quarterback target?" I think we have a couple of quarterback targets. I, I I don't think Spencer Sanders makes a ton of sense, but that is undoubtedly a target if you visit on campus. That one, it's one of those things you just need to explain to me why they are doing this. And you have Mike Wright. I think Mike Wright has a chance to be the second quarterback, honestly. I think he has a chance to do that. Then you go in and you get Damon Williams on campus for a year. And with everything going on, you have a chance to stock that room. Who knows what Walker White's going to do? But if Walker White comes, you know, I mean, you have a chance to really stock that room out. But backup quarterback is only an issue if there's a sprained ankle, if, if something happens injury-wise. It's, it's somebody you want somebody but you don't actually have to have somebody. Now, backup quarterback's a problem, but you're not looking for a starter in the portal, in my opinion. Now, on the offensive and defensive lines, I think Ole Miss has some work to do there. Now, part of that, in the slowness of it, is the fact that they brought this window into, into existence this year. And John Garrison has time to do. Now, we do not know whether or not the offensive linemen that weren't playing very much last year fit John Garrison's system. We, we just won't. See, too many people assume that just because a kid doesn't play under this coach, he won't play under that coach. And, and that's a flawed um, assumption. I believe that there could be some decent pass blockers uh, decent pass blockers in there already in the room that because they were such a run-first team, the tackles were forced, forced to play that way. And people that were going to be run blockers were going to be prioritized. So we'll see exactly what happens there. James York asked, any word on possible coaching changes? Now, we did the show this morning on Pete Golding. We're still waiting to see what happens there. I mean, that's the rumor that's going around everywhere right now. That is, that is kind of the coaching rumor that is happening. We don't know what's happening with um, offensive coordinator, but remember on offensive coaches, the actual offensive coach of this team is Lane Kiffin. So it doesn't necessarily matter that much who is in the booth because essentially they're in the booth spotting formations and those Lane Kiffin shot plays, he's really good at remembering and recalling those plays so they can relay them down. So we'll see exactly what happens, how the offense evolves, how the defense evolves. Like I said, the only real rumor that's going around that you hear all the time is the Pete Golding stuff. And there's Pete Golding stuff that's still continuing to pop on the Bama boards. 
So this is not a one-sided rumor at the moment. So I, I will see exactly what happens. But remember, anytime anything happens coaching-wise with Ole Miss because of friends and connections and how people tend to want to collect um, coaches or players and all that, Pete Golding is turning into the John Gruden of Ole Miss. And what I mean by that is he is the push button. Anytime something goes on, the people that are close to him, apparently has family in that area. He's, he's pretty entrenched in this area. Um, people automatically try to bring him home. There's friends with him. Decent guy. There's nothing wrong necessarily with that, except that the fact that every single situation like this, we've been through this before with Pete Golding. Now, he could come back. He would be an excellent fit. He'd be a fantastic coach. But you can't necessarily trust the sourcing on this end at this point because of the relationship. They think that everybody wants to come back to Oxford. It's just what it is. Jonathan Friedman says, I agree, Lane's the playing caller. Um, Weiss Jr. called the SMU bowl game for SMU. Um, once Lane was gone and scored 52 points, I think that was more of a situation where SMU had um, a porous, porous defense. Also, the roster was pretty close to being constructed with um, the things you want down at FAU. Christian Fryer says, we need to change our offense a little bit. It felt like it ve got very predictable. Yes, we absolutely do. The offense desperately needs to go back to what they did in 2020, 2021. Um, and not so much what they try. It, it was an experiment. It was a failed experiment, but they inadvertently made Ole Miss front runners this season. And Ole Miss had trouble playing catch up. And whenever that had to happen and it got predictable and pass rush, um, pass rush was able to affect the quarterback because the tackles were primarily run blockers. And since this offense is so much RPO, just about every play is run blocking. So if the quarterback holds the ball too long, that affects the pass protection. So whenever stuff is happening like that, you can't just automatically go to pass protection is a problem. I mean, that's a simplistic thing. But there's other factors that could be at play. The quarterback holds the ball too long. The receiver's not doing what he's supposed to do. Several different things can affect the um, pass rush in this offense. So, Caden Priestcorn, good pickup. Major, major good pickup. We, we needed this one. Whenever I looked at the visit list for this weekend, he was the kid that popped up as like, yeah, that's the one we need. Now, there's other kids that are coming out that they have a chance to hit. And like I said, expect a steady stream of visitors over the next week. Um, what is it? The 18th is the last day, so that's what? Nine days, eight days, somewhere in there. Expect a steady stream of visitors for about the next week. And deadline day is going to be nuts. And we are going to live stream deadline day. Um, not the whole day, but um, towards the end of the day, we'll do a 15, 20, 30-minute live stream and talk about what Ole Miss was able to do in the early signing period, plus other random stuff that pops on. I'll, I'll answer any question um, we can do whenever whenever it happens. So I hope this has been um, interesting for you guys. It, it was a major pickup. You should celebrate this one. This one actually helps the offense quite a bit. 
more so than, honestly, any player so far. So this is a big-time get. And you'll see exactly what it does to the offense moving forward. By the way, I'm looking at um, Memphis's um, roster so to get information on Priest Court and all that. They apparently open 2000, um, 2023 with Bethune-Cookman. That wouldn't necessarily be a thing, but that's Ed Reed. I'm kind of interested in that. Ed Reed on the sideline, you know. So kind of seeing what they have to do. They also play at Missouri, by the way, and Boise State. That's a rough schedule for the Tigers. Anyway, I'm getting off all kind of off target, essentially. Anyway, thank you very much for tuning in today. We're going to keep doing it. We're going to do live streams when necessary. We're going to do game recaps. We're going to do all kinds of neat little stuff um, and try and stimulate the conversation one way or another because that's what we do. Perspectives and commentary. Tomorrow, you may be introduced to a new perspective to our channel. We're looking forward to doing an extra video with him, seeing exactly what he has to say. Stephen Campbell says, we still need improvement with our defense. That, yeah, that hasn't changed. And if you notice, there hasn't necessarily been defensive players that have been coming in. Whenever you look for signals and um, things with the Pete Golding stuff, that's something I have my own as well. If, if you're not getting defensive players in, why not? And that's probably because not necessarily he's bringing players, but he has a little bit different type of player because every player needs to be a system fit. You can have an All-American player in one system that sits on the bench in another. There's no such thing as just a good player or not a good player. Everything is dependent on system. I mean, we will harp on that over and over and over again. It's just the way it is. So anyway, thank you for tuning in. We were we are going to take a break. Tomorrow we'll talk more about Caleb Priestcorn, uh, Caden Priestcorn on the podcast. Um, and uh, like I said, new perspective tomorrow. We should have um, a little bit of fun with it. Anyway, hope everybody has a good day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace.